0: How do you know things are going wrong without reflecting? And how do you know things are going right without even defining what success means? From Bright Umbrella, this is Control Click Cast. We inspect the web for you. I'm your host, Leah Alcantara, and I'm joined by my fab co-host, Emily Lewis. Today's episode is sponsored by FosterMade, a digital design and development agency committed to creating thoughtful solutions to your technology challenges. From smart user experiences to strategic programming, FosterMade employs technology as a medium for advancing your business and making human connections. Visit fostermade.co to learn more. Before we get to today's episode, I
1: wanted to remind our listeners that we launched a Patreon last month. Woo-hoo! The money we earn, we hope, will help us experiment with new formats and content without sacrificing the foundation of what we built over the past eight years. We also want to connect more with our listeners, so we create the content you want.
0: And our patrons get a bunch of sweet rewards, Mm -hmm. like early access to new episodes, a private Slack to discuss these episodes, and even one-on-ones with one or both of us. We've got something for everyone. Just visit patreon.com slash control clickcast to learn more and then pick a tier. For our topic today, we were going to talk to
1: Rachel Neighbors about web animation, but she has the flu. Aww. And due to our end of the year schedule, we won't be able to get her back into our schedule until 2019,
0: but we promise we will. So instead, Em and I are going to talk about business challenges, mm-hmm. specifically our business challenges.
1: Yeah, this is going to be an interesting episode. Mm -hmm. It's been honestly a difficult year for Bright Umbrella. We lost our biggest client. Leads and opportunities have been really slow. Mm -hmm. And most of those we've gotten, we haven't been able to convert to a sale. In fact, it's been hard to get sponsors for this show. We also had challenges in our partnership, struggling with accountability and finding a
0: fair balance of who does what and how. But this isn't the first time we've had challenges. Mm-hmm. So we're trying different things and making changes to our processes in hopes that 2019 will be a better year. Mm-hmm. And we'll share some of that with our listeners. Maybe some of you are having your own struggles. hmm. And just maybe some of what we're trying could work for you.
1: Yeah. I feel like, I think we've mentioned this on the show a couple times, but people don't talk about the bad stuff so much. You hear a lot about success and how someone had a killer year, but you don't hear a lot about when things aren't going well. And I don't think that's good. I think it's important to talk about this stuff. You and I certainly do it in our business. Right. And I think it's important to hear others talk about it. For one, you don't feel alone, but for two, you might actually find some new way to think about it that helps you resolve or move through the problem. And so I think that's one of the reasons why we wanna kind of have this real talk episode about what's gone on in our business this year.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And also to normalize it, totally, Because it is. Yeah, we're not the only ones dealing with this stuff. Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly. So we wanted to start with our partnership challenges. When I was you know, kind of jotting these thoughts down, Leah, I thought it was so ironic that yeah. we started the year doing a presentation for Owner Summit about healthy partnerships and communication. And yet just a few months after that presentation, you and I were really struggling in our partnership. And it's probably been, I don't know, I think our greatest challenge this year.
0: Yeah, I would say that's true. And I think It's one of those things where just because you know what to do or the tools or even can see what the challenges are, actually putting things in place when people are involved, Mm -hmm. right, and money is involved and Mm -hmm. the business is involved, it's a lot easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're not going to
1: share everything today. (laughs) It's not everybody's (laughs) business. But I'm thinking that some of the things we've outlined to talk about today might show up in other people's businesses. And even if you're not running a business, maybe this shows up in a team or if you're working for someone else. I could see all of these things coming up. So one of the challenges that we had, and frankly, I think we've had this challenge longer than this year. I think this year it just came to a head, is that... So you and I have really what we thought was good communication and we would have a check-in every week or every other week rather, where we kind of, how are things going? What new needs to be done? And we'd identify tasks during that discussion every two weeks of what needs to move forward next. And so we'd get those into the queue. For example, redesigning the control click cast website. Yes. I think that's a perfect example. Yeah. So we started talking about redesigning this website three plus years ago. Yep.
0: <laughs> and yep. it's still not done. And I think um, we mention it every like year in
1: review. I know. It's really sad. But anyways, it's not that we didn't identify what needed to be done. We did. We even had project management for it and planning. And we would verbally say to each other in our check-ins, yes, this is going to move forward. This is going to happen, but it really wasn't. And the truth of it is, this is just one example, but these are tasks that are important. They're not ones that can get done because they can contribute to losing opportunities and they definitely cause tension in our relationship. And so we spent some time the past few months trying to figure out why this was happening. So just to offer my perspective, I'm such a task-driven person. And so I was feeling like I was asking about things getting done, but they weren't getting done, but I wasn't being told why. And then I didn't push. I just sat back and was like, why the F is this not happening? What does this mean? Does she not care? Does she not want this? Like my mind went to some of the worst places because that's how I viewed tasks. And I viewed that. If I said, is this happening? And she said, yes, that that meant it was. But that was it. I didn't follow up in detail. I didn't articulate clearly to Leo, like what this was doing to me. And then meanwhile, Leo, on your end, where were you coming from and where did the communication fall for you?
0: Well, For me, I think, and we'll touch on this a bit is with that business profitability mindset, where if there was a client specific task that I had to do or a sales task that I have to do that took precedent above everything. And the way i poorly managed my tasks was like, it's out of sight, out of mind. So to me, unless it was making us a ton of money, I was like, okay, it's not a priority. We'll get it done, but it's just not a priority to me. And I think it's just that like, it depends on what's on the plate at the time. So it's kind of like, hey, we've got time. Okay, let's work on it. And then, okay, no, we have a client now. Let's forget about it completely. And that's not really a great way to deal with internal tasks because then nothing happens mm-hmm. when you have these internal priorities. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
0: So one of the things we're trying to do with
1: that is that, well, first and foremost, I'm kind of looking at the big picture each month and identifying what really needs to move forward internally. So yeah. we almost never have problems. I mean, not almost ever. We never have problems getting client work done. Like, yeah, ever. And I can't think of a time we've missed a deadline ever. So yeah. This is purely for internal projects and operations, and so I take a big picture look at that each month and identify the things that seem most critical to move us forward and share that with Leia, so she is real clear that no matter what happens, these things have to be at least touched. They have to right. be discussed. If they can't be done, then we need to figure out why and how to move it forward in a different way. Right. And then each week I sort of revisit it and make sure it's still aligned with what may have changed that week. So that sort of is the high level. Mm-hmm. But within that, I think it's also been important for our discussions. This isn't something we necessarily like write down or log anywhere, but. If there's a priority, it needs to be looked at beyond your measure of profitability or whether it's bringing exactly. in income. like Or for, short term only. Right. Yeah. You know, like redesigning this podcast website, it's really easy to say, well, that's not important because, right. I mean, frankly, it's never made a profit. We don't make money <laughs> off of this thing. We lose money. But the truth of it is, is it directly impacts the perception of our podcast, especially a web podcast. Right. It's also a direct reflection of us as developers and designers. It doesn't look good if our own property isn't reflecting what we can do. Right. And if you take those thoughts a little bit further, you could speculate. Obviously, correlation doesn't equal causation. But, you know, this could impact our ability to book guests. It can impact our ability to get sponsors and listeners. So that makes it a priority. That So it's not money, but there's other things. So having those more detailed discussions that's less black and white and more the gray area of what a task might do for the business.
0: Right. And also taking that larger view. So it's like, I think what I struggled with was I was just thinking about the specific task and not thinking about the big picture impact, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? And if we're even thinking about the other big picture impact, so you talked about the impact of perception of our show, but the projects we put out affects our perception as professionals, Period. Mm-hmm. Right. And that could affect people's perceptions of how Bright Umbrella works. Mm-hmm. And this one website isn't, of course, a reflection of every single project we've ever done. But it's one of the more prominent ones that mm-hmm. people have access to on a regular basis. And if we want to have the best people on our show to talk about bleeding edge tech or web or design and our mm-hmm. website is five years old, that doesn't reflect well on us as bright umbrella. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And I think it's worth saying, cause I feel like this at least has been our experience is that all of that sounds really common sense, but we were not having that conversation. Right. I was just being like, why aren't tasks getting done? And Leia's like, Oh, it's not a priority. Do you know what I mean? So right, it was, right. We didn't yeah, take yeah, it yeah. any further. It was only until we were like, why are we disconnecting on this? that there was this moment where i think in my mind i knew all the reasons why it should move forward but i wasn't right. saying it to leah i wasn't reminding right. her about that allowing her to kind of reflect on it from her perspective i was just like oh well there was too much black and white thinking in how we approached this where task is assigned done It's just never that simple when it comes to something like this.
0: Yeah, agreed. And
1: I also think, Leah, maybe you can talk about this a little bit more. So you're just managing your tasks a little bit different. Once you know what's critical and what's on your plate for the month or the week, I feel like I can see you're starting to do it differently, but I'm not actually there with you knowing how you're doing it differently.
0: Right. I think it's just the clearer the picture is for me, Mm -hmm. the easier to go from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's just I think the irony of a lot of this, because, you know, earlier in the show, you were talking about how like this never happens with client work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think we just need to treat our own business like client work where we not just the task, like we actually understand why we're doing the particular task. Mm -hmm. And I think that has also helped me Mm -hmm. fulfill the particular task, because when it's internal, yeah, I mean, it's really easy to dismiss it because it's an internal task. Mm-hmm. It really is. But, you know, I feel
1: like there's nothing better than a really crappy year to make you really yeah. rethink all of your assumptions, including the importance of some critical internal tasks. And if you have an internal task that is really tied to your brand, like this podcast, do not ignore it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's you're shooting yourself in the foot. So another challenge we had beyond priorities and moving tasks forward, the internal tasks in our partnership was kind of an unequal distribution of work, which led to a lot of frustration and resentment. Leah, you want to kind of take the lead on this and kind of go into upon reflection why we think it was happening and what we're doing about it?
0: Yeah, I think part of it, again, is what we touched on about priorities, like how we, you and I, weigh certain things we need to do for the day or for the week. And it's based on that particular perception, how we move forward. So that affects affected like it as an overall thing. But the other way is that you and I have completely different work approaches, Mm -hmm. let's say, Uh, work approaches, as well as scheduling approaches. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you've had a lot more experience working for other people and working with larger teams versus me, myself and I. Mm -hmm. So juggling multiple priorities and things like that. I'm used to back when I was just running layout design, it's like, oh, one client, Point A to point B, done mm-hmm. kind of situation, as opposed to now there's Bright Umbrella tasks, make sure that Control Click Cast is done, multiple projects going on at the same time. And how I was doing things as a freelancer kind of bled into how we were handling Bright Umbrella and that really wasn't working. Mm-hmm. And you're over there going like, well, what's happening here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why isn't she getting her stuff done?
1: Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the schedule stuff. I think this is less of a thing if you work as an employee, because typically you're nine to five and you have no say, but when you work for yourself, you have the opportunity to decide what your schedule looks like, what your life looks like almost. And I feel like. Again, upon reflection, we didn't dive into this deep enough when we were starting talking about becoming partners. Yeah, You know, in my mind, like I never want to work the crazy hours I once worked for other people. Yeah. And I kind of like starting in the morning a little later than most people start kind of thing. And for me, that's how I wanted my schedule to be, but I will put in those crazy hours when they have to happen. It's just sort of, I think, because I've worked for other people for so long and it wasn't really right. an option not to, especially if like your salary, it's not hourly. You work until the work's done and you wanted your schedule to be different. Like, yeah. I think you wanted your quality of life to be different. And we didn't really talk about that when we decided to be partners. And I think that's important. I think it's huge. Yeah.
0: We're talking about our particular situation, but I do think that this is an overall, like, industry-wide situation over how do you divide time, quality of life, and actually Mm -hmm. doing your work and having a particular output, especially those with families, right? You Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. 60-hour work week might not necessarily translate well for a good home life, right? Yeah. And so I think that was a challenge to
1: recognize that Leia wasn't, didn't want to take the same approach that I necessarily took to her schedule. And so what did that mean to the business? Like that essentially meant that I was caring more than I thought, I guess, was fair. I really came down to a perception of fairness in my mind. And I think, one thing that was really critical for me to be able to work through it was kind of something Leah touched on is Leah has really never worked for someone else the way I have. Like mm-hmm. I spent the better part of my career working for other people. And I don't know, you just learn kind of what stuff is supposed to happen. And in my mind, I thought she knew and she didn't. So part of it is taking into account that It's not intentional or a lack of caring or that she wanted to do less work or wanted me to do more work. It's that there's so much that's unsaid when you learn how to work for someone else that if you don't tell someone, they're never going to know. And so one thing we did is we really identified the areas that needed a lot more. This is how you do it. So really creating processes for everything internal from sales to how to manage tasks, how to look at your schedule each week, that kind of stuff. Right. So that it's really clear what next steps are and also to help each of us be more independent in our own responsibilities. So there's less on the other person's shoulder we divide stuff up, but it wasn't divided in the sense of like, you took it and went with it in with one area and I took it and went with it in another area, which yeah. it got a, a lot of muddied in the middle, which meant more time in areas that we just didn't plan for. So right. creating these processes really kind of says, this is yours. This is how you proceed. And even better, if Leia goes on vacation... Those processes are detailed and I can reference them if I don't know how to proceed on a task that's normally on layers or vice versa. So I feel like this sort of process-oriented operations approach that we've never really had in the business is helping with that.
0: Yeah, and I do think as we're talking, like those who have probably larger agencies are like, duh, employee manual. (laughs) But as Emily pointed out, it was me, myself, and I for a long, 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 long time. So mm-hmm. I dealt with my priorities, my way, my time, my way. And part of that was also a communication issue in that I didn't articulate that to Emily either. Mm-hmm. As in, this is, this is just the way I've always done it, you know, mm-hmm. and not really considering how is this helping my teammate? How is this helping the business? Is this all in service of moving us forward versus it's just like, well, just because it's comfortable for me doesn't mean it was the right Mm -hmm. approach. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I love documentation. So all of this totally (laughs) seems like not
1: just helping us immediately, but be creating this asset of how we operate, just adding Mm -hmm. more to that. And, you know, I want to put this out there because this may affect other partnerships, but the reality is, is that with the kind of responsibilities or the kind of experience that I have lends me to having more responsibilities right now, we changed the ownership percentage of the partnership. And mm-hmm. this was something that was difficult. I'm not going to speak for you, Leah. This was difficult for me because it's not what I wanted right. in terms of how I envisioned all of this going. But the truth of it is, is that making this change made me feel things were more fair, which was really important right. to me. It also reminded me that Leia is still my partner and we're still trying to find a way to work through stuff. So it was a sign that, you know, I don't know, how to really articulate it, but that there's still a lot of compromise and collaboration going on. And I think that's important to think about when it feels like the partnership, at least on my end, was suffering.
0: Right. And I mean, on the other end here, it does take some real honest self-reflection, over where things are and really listening to your business partner's perspective and trying to figure out like, what do we want in service of the business and the success and how do I want my career to go and mm-hmm. on and on and on and on. But also I am, my personality is different from others. I know that some people struggle with this particular discussion because of, uh, I know that there's people with power issues mm. <laughs> and I just never... That's not how I view this. I view this in the lens of fairness and reality, as opposed to like, I need to wrestle my percentage or whatever. That's not really where I'm at. It's more about what is a accurate representation? Is bright umbrella important to me? Is this still the type of work I want to do? Those are the types of questions that I ask myself. And, you know, between Emily and I, like, I think it's fair.
1: Mm -hmm. I think the last challenge in our partnership is kind of the main challenge that affected everything is our communication. We always thought our communication was great, but it really wasn't. It wasn't. We were not communicating enough about the things we needed to communicate about, which contributed to all the other challenges, I think. For me, I really think one of my biggest wrong assumptions was that our biweekly check-ins were enough.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I think because our check-ins were long, Mm -hmm. we thought that that was enough. But actually, where we're kind of experimenting with breaking up our check-ins and all that stuff and upping the free Frequency, mm-hmm. And I think that lets us be a little bit more aware of what's happening at the present, mm-hmm. as opposed to just like, because you forget what happens like in two weeks. Oh, especially you know? if
1: you're completely burned out or overwhelmed, which is like me yeah. right now. I can't remember what I did a half hour ago.
0: Right, right. So it's just like, well, having more frequent check-ins. And I know that a lot of larger agencies do have those weekly reviews of where things are going to pivot. And it just wasn't something that Emily and I used to do. And now, now we are. Mm -hmm. And more specifically as well. Mm Because I feel like we've always done the client overview and all that kind of stuff, but we never was like, well, frankly asking what went wrong this week. I think you just said the right thing, frankly. Yeah,
1: I think that's where you and I were missing something because we'd be like, we would say, how are you feeling? And we'd be like, oh, I'm really hopeful that things are
0: going to get better because we were. (laughs) Yeah. That wasn't an inaccurate statement, but it's not specific and Mm -hmm. it's not Honest enough,
1: either exactly, I think a perfect example is sort of alluded to this is that i wasn 't telling Leia what I wanted. I was just saying, Well, why is this not done, or is this going to get done i wasn 't taking it further and saying, I need this done because i 'm starting to feel concerned about x or right. I need you to tell me specifically what 's going on again. This comes from working for other people like. I think when you're like an employer-employee situation, if someone's like, this needs to get done, you're just like, all right, it's getting done. And if you don't, you get a talking to or you get written up or, you know, whatever. And that's not how we want to run our business. But it's also kind of, it's what I learned in my head. And so... If I have a problem moving a task forward, I know I have to go talk to my manager about it because I know it's going to affect other people. And, you know, I wasn't explicit with Leah that I was like, I need to know what's happening this this because I can't move this forward. And this is happening. And I was just like, well, I want Leah to take ownership and be a partner and feel like I'm not telling her what to do because that was a big thing. I hate being told what to do. Right. And so I do not like telling other people what to do. It really makes me uncomfortable. It's... I don't even know how to describe it. It's probably some historical childhood stuff, but I just, I'm so uncomfortable with it. So I was trying not to, but by doing that, I wasn't communicating with
0: you. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing where it's like assumptions really are the worst thing Mm -hmm. because I feel like both of us are intuitive people that we know that there's like a general feeling of like discomfort or like confusion or whatever, And I think this is a struggle. It's just like, how do you speak about it, frankly, without Mm -hmm. rocking the boat Mm -hmm. in one way or the other, Mm -hmm. right? Like, for example, I was very much aware, still am, how much you have on your plate. So my thought process for me was, it's just like, don't tell her anything, (laughs) You know, like, don't say anything. Let's just keep on, like, head down. You thought it, that it would be putting more on my plate. Right, right. Or it's, I was like the bearer of bad news mm-hmm. with changing priorities. Like, to me, I'm just like, I'm just gonna change the priorities. <laughs> And do something or not do something Mm -hmm. when, you know, that's definitely not the way forward because you felt like you were in a black box going like, what's happening here? And in my mind, like I had justification for this, that or the other, but I never communicated that. So you didn't even know that. I wasn't just randomly dismissing Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. because there are certain tasks that we decided a few weeks ago or whatever. Yeah, this should move forward. But, you know, circumstances change, the business Mm change, you have a discussion with the client and that is no longer the right way to move forward. Mm -hmm. And then either I just don't do it and then I don't tell you that circumstances have changed. That's why I decided not to do it. And that probably just the message explaining that here's why we're not going to do this anymore Mm -hmm. probably would have smoothed. A lot of things versus the just not doing it Mm because it's not even about the task being done or not done. It's like figuring out why, like, was there reasoning over moving forward or not moving forward Mm -hmm. with this? Mm -hmm. And then we both should have made like and then after that was discussed, then we both would have put in our two cents, whether like, no, Leia, I do think this is important or yes, Leia, I agree. Mm -hmm. Like, let's delete this entire to do list, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so we thought we were communicating, but not really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, what we're doing about it, one is, so we still have that biweekly check-in, and that one's going to stay strictly on clients and projects. Yeah. But we've added, and that happens on Mondays, the start of the week. right. What we've now added is a meeting on Fridays at the end of the day, at the end of the week, and we're calling it our temperature check. This used to be just a bullet in our biweekly check-in. Now the whole meeting, limited to 30 minutes, is really the temperature check of, I'm trying to recall what's in our bullet points, but it's like, what's good, which we've always had no problem talking about, but also what's bad. Including, how are you feeling? Are you feeling frustrated about something? Are you feeling exhausted? Right. Do you just need someone to tell you, like, it's okay? Because honestly, right. sometimes it is like that. Sometimes there is no t- task-related solution, but yeah. rather I need someone to hear reassurance. me. reassurance
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it's not about really clients. It's really about us and our operations.
0: Right. And also to, like, expand on, like, well, what's bad? That's kind of like a loaded term. Mm. But the reality is, is that could encompass a lot of things where it's just it doesn't necessarily mean a mistake or anything mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I think that's the perspective that we need to make sure that good point people understand. It's just that like, well, what could have been better, mm-hmm. you know? And then that gives you a little bit more fodder over like, hey, you know, this happened. This was how I felt after this happened. I think this ex moving forward would have changed this from bad to good, Mm -hmm. you know that kind of situation more specific yeah you know
1: i even think though leah that us giving ourselves permission to talk about what was negative like having it as a bullet point in our temperature check like all right we know this might not all be like hey it's all great because we have an inclination to want to emotionally support each other that way And I think that's why we avoid giving each other bad news and not talking about the hard stuff. But the truth of it is, is that it is important. We both know it's important now and we're giving ourselves permission to talk about it without having it be, oh God. You know what I mean? It's, it's, you know, what does (laughs) this mean? Is everything over? Do we have to make majors? No, this is just normal conversation. We've got to talk about some of the stuff that isn't always roses.
0: Right. And why it's so important for the frequency weekly, because I feel like back when it was biweekly, like things simmer too Mm -hmm. long, Mm -hmm. you know? So beyond the first issue of having it, the frequency was not enough. A, you forget something. B, you don't forget it, but then it becomes a lot like a mountain mm-hmm. instead of a mohill mm-hmm. kind of situation, mm-hmm. you know? So addressing it sooner, makes sure that any issues are diminished as soon as possible. Yeah, totally. Well, we have a
1: whole bunch of other challenges we had this year, <laughs> so we want to make sure to get to those. But I do think it's important that we started with the partnership stuff because it's really the foundation of the business. And yeah. I I have a really strong feeling that all of those problems contributed to some of our other challenges. And so I think when it comes to your business or your work environment, look at your relationships and communication first, see what might be falling apart there, because it could be the foundation that's leading to other challenges. So
0: yeah, absolutely.
1: So the other major challenges were about sales this year. Mm -hmm. Leia sales is your area. So you want to kind of dive into some of this?
0: The long story short is that we weren't converting leads, Mm -hmm. including good ones. Mm -hmm. And by good ones, I mean leads that we were going after, like nonprofits, schools, leads from our colleagues, those types of things that should have turned around Mm -hmm. and we would have won. And we had to take a look and be like, well this is now looking like a pattern instead of a one-off thing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, like, the first step is, like, really kind of admitting you have a problem. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I think, like, sometimes it's easy to be like, well, it is what it is, you know? That yeah, kind of thing. I feel
1: like you and I spent too many months being like, well, I hope it's going to turn around instead of saying, you know what, it isn't, let's do something now.
0: Right, mm-hmm. and do that sooner. Mm-hmm. We have, just like with anything, there's never going to be, like, exact correct right answer. hmm But based on our upon reflection, part of the reason why we think leads weren't moving forward is a more competition. Yeah, there's a lot of great people working on the web today. And with that in mind, our pricing needs to be adjusted. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean shooting ourselves in the foot still, like we still need to price so that our business is sustainable and profitable. Mm -hmm. But part of it, too, is like we had just come off in a great year. Mm -hmm. So we were flying high, pricing high. Mm -hmm. And that's not always the case for every lead. Mm -hmm. So you have to kind of figure out where people are coming from. Yeah, yeah. And on top of that, with all the pricing, the way we even presented Mm -hmm. the options, we weren't thoughtful enough about that either. Mm -hmm. Can you give an
1: example of that? Because I think that might be something that would stand out to a listener. Like, what do you feel we weren't thoughtful
0: about that? Maybe one example. So one thing is that overwhelming them with too many options mm. and too many technical details mm-hmm. all at once. Mm-hmm. A client doesn't really care or know. You should just point out very specifically the outcome and what they're getting and one one to two prices, maybe three, that kind of stuff. But that could be all distilled to you. How we were presenting everything was complicated Mm -hmm. and it should have been simple. Mm -hmm. And that was actually the feedback one particular lead mentioned was like it was first of all, it was expensive. And second of all, it was just like there were too many bullets, Mm -hmm. too many, too much info. God, we had a whole
1: freaking series last year on how to talk to clients. But, you know, we still have a tendency to be like, but you're getting all of this for this, you know, and but all of that means nothing to them because it's just so overwhelming. So we definitely fell into that pattern a little bit.
0: Right. And I've discussed this with like other colleagues of ours, like the way you present pricing and options should also be dependent on the particular project and lead. Mm -hmm. So does it make sense to just give them a number via email? Should you get pricing that discussion started right away on the phone? Mm -hmm. So then it's just that by the time you do have a final quote or final proposal that like everything is primed and we did not have a process for that. Mm -hmm. We were just like, here's a Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. here's all the stuff you get. Here's the price. Yes. No. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) Mm Yep. Yep. And right before we started recording today, you made a comment. You're like, oh, our
0: closing the loop emails are working. So talk about that a little bit. (laughs) Right. So the other thing in terms of, so we talked about our pricing and then presenting the pricing, follow-ups, 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 follow-ups. I wasn't doing a good enough job Mm -hmm. and I didn't have tasks and processes in place to be really intentional Mm -hmm. about those follow-ups. Like, I think my follow-ups were usually just like, let me check the email. Let me respond Sometimes during the week, if I I check my scent and then follow up, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So I thought I was doing a good enough job following up, but I wasn't. Mm -hmm. I wasn't closing the loop. I wasn't understanding that sometimes, you know, clients get busy. And so just because they don't respond to you right away doesn't mean you abandon it completely. Mm -hmm. And I think that was like a rookie mistake is that just because they don't respond to you right away doesn't mean it's a no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So just like the frequent follow ups, And then also the specific email that Emily mentioned is called closing the loop. So we'll link to the resources in the show notes. There's this specific email where if there's a client or prospect that hasn't gotten back to you after frequent responses, there's a closing the loop type of email that you send that basically very short, very sweet that says like, it looks like your priorities have changed. Let me know if we can help you. Done. Done. And then you just change the subject line to closing the loop. And that really prompts somebody to get back to you. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, there's something about the psychology of the firmness Mm -hmm. of it. And I think also because like you're now taking control Mm -hmm. of the communication as opposed to just waiting. Yeah. Waiting, waiting, waiting. I think like a lot of the follow ups and and just communication is just like setting, setting the tone of how you want the communication relationship to go. Mm-hmm. So like even with the follow-ups to basically say, I'll get back to you next week if I don't hear from right. you. So you're already setting the intention and they will expect a follow-up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as well. So that also prompts them like if they really don't want you to follow up, they'll get back to you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Those types of tweaks. Yeah. And I feel like that's just one
1: example of where you've made a shift in the sales process. But I think mm-hmm. it's, It's just one of the things that was part of, I think we spent almost a solid eight weeks, almost all of our energy kind of figuring out what our sales process needs to be because it wasn't defined. Like I said, I would be like, well, Leia, you're going on vacation. What do I do? (laughs) Right. Right, right. There was nothing I could follow to know what Leia was doing behind the scenes. And then then there was nothing. I feel like also Leia, if I remember some of our conversations, like Almost because you didn't know what all the next steps should be, it would kind of create this cognitive load in your mind where you couldn't move forward on it. You know, like you're like, well, I don't really know what's next or what the priority is. And so I'm stuck. Right, right. So we put a lot of energy to coming up with a sales process that Leia is comfortable with. That's I find easy to follow, even though it's kind of molded to how Leia approaches things versus how I approach things that has templates and
0: tools
1: and it's like Leia's toolkit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't have that and we needed it. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think like a lot of things were just more intuition, Mm -hmm. I think. And like how we, again, like I think a a lesson really is just being more reflective over like, just because this is how you've done it in the past doesn't mean this is the right way to do things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just because you're used to it doesn't mean that's good. Mm -hmm.
1: I want to just briefly sum up another lead, another challenge, rather. I don't want to spend too much time on it because I don't think we quite yet know how this is going to go yet, but I think mm-hmm. it's worth mentioning. So we also, in addition to not being able to convert leads, we weren't really getting leads. And Leia spent a lot of time kind of looking at the past five years of clients who were you know, which were the great clients? How did we get them the real numbers and reality of our business? And the truth of it is, is that we took a direction with our content marketing away from our peers a couple years ago and tried to focus on marketing to our clients in their verticals, specifically nonprofits and education. And the truth of it is, is that it hasn't helped us in either of those industries at all, Mm
0: -hmm. at all.
1: I can't stress Mm -hmm. that enough. I mean, it has helped us amongst our peer group to understand where we specialize Right. And that's a really weird twist on this that we would never have figured out. So we were writing about education and nonprofits for education and nonprofits, but it wasn't Mm -hmm. getting us anywhere. So we are now taking a shift to focus back on marketing to our peer group, essentially reminding our peers what our skills are, which means talking more about tech. Yay. (laughs) talking less about the client needs, the client value, the client benefits, because the clients weren't coming to us for that, that kind of content effort. They weren't responding to it. But our peers who know that we specialize in those areas start sending us leads because they don't. So it's sort of a a weird twist on content marketing for an industry, but not kind of thing that we're still trying to figure out. But also part of that is investing even more in our relationship building and less on blogs and outreach. We were doing email campaigns where we were trying to emphasize our nonprofit expertise or writing blog posts about why nonprofits should move to HTTPS. And It just wasn't getting us anywhere. So we're going to shift the energy to really just rebuilding or reestablishing or strengthening existing relationships that we have with our peers. And, you know, knowing what they're doing, having them know what we're doing. That's how we got here in the first place. And so we're Mm -hmm. kind of going back to it.
0: Yeah, it really is Going back to basics, Mm -hmm. kind of like full circle situation, except now we're looking at it with a more critical business business lens. Mm -hmm. And we understand the why as opposed to feeling like everything was kind of an accident Mm -hmm. almost, Mm -hmm. you know, we understand the reason why there's this particular perception. We understand why this is the way forward. But again, it's just like uh, trying to review everything with a a critical lens and seeing like, why is this working or not working? Mm -hmm. And it's still too early on to say that like, we're 100% going towards this thing because we're not actually, like we haven't abandoned that vertical. We still are passionate about social causes and education, but how we're communicating that and who we're communicating that to has shifted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's just like, again, What are we known for? What are we doing well? And how can we focus our energies in the right area? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this next
1: one, this one, God, it still
0: hurts. (laughs) Yeah. So we lost our largest client this
1: year. And I'm not going to lie. I'm still very not feeling good about it. on Lots of points, which for political reasons, we won't get into on this podcast. (laughs) But there were some lessons learned upon losing a client. And, And this just it hit the bottom line so hard on top of the challenges with sales this year. So, you know, this one's still so weird because there, I think the truth of it is, is we definitely could have done a better job of selling the tech and demoing how effective it would be to help their jobs, make their jobs easier. Right. But we were sort of doing it to not enough of the team. Like we only had access to a very small part of the decision makers And we failed there. We failed to push that selling the tech, the demonstration of the tech across the board as much as we could have. We didn't think we needed to. We kind of got a little, well, this has been a client for so long and they're so happy and all this other stuff. But yeah, we didn't get in front of the right decision maker soon enough. Our contacts, our marketing team, they were happy. They seemed to want to move in our direction, but that really wasn't,
0: they don't have the final say. Right, well, and we were siloed like because we weren't proactive enough, mm-hmm. like we then only that team saw our value,, yep. but just like with the larger organizations, there's several moving parts that get things done, mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. speaking of that get things done, you know we're we're trying to take responsibility for our part, but you know some of it was also the client, yeah, for right, sure. like they weren't telling us what they were doing or what they wanted, mm-hmm. granted, we didn't ask enough. Mm-hmm. But they weren't clear about their goals, and internally, it seemed that way. And perhaps, frankly, what was a priority for one team Mm -hmm. wasn't a priority for another. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly.
1: So what we're trying to do about it, this one it's a little more nuanced, but we rely a lot on long-term clients. We love that long-term relationship building, getting to know a client's business, but you can get complacent when you're in that place. And so what we're trying to do is anyone who's on a retainer, or if there's someone who we do ongoing work with throughout the year, we're just always going to check in with them, insist on a face-to-face call, even though they're happy with the project we wrapped up just two days ago, you know, we're still going to make sure that at the start of the month or monthly or whatever, there's a face-to-face talk and it's what's going on with your business or is there a new direction you're taking? Is there new leadership? Uh, We need introductions, like sort of just being proactive about our relationship, but also really forcing them to tell you what their priorities are. If you're right. face-to-face, it's harder to like, not, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep, you know, we yep. ask them in base camp, has anything changed? Is anything new? And they just don't respond and then we don't push, but face-to-face helps with that. So that's now part yeah. of our process it's just standard operating procedure. And I think another big thing was, is we missed a lot of red flags with this client. I think yeah. in part, cause they were a long-term client and I think we didn't really know that we should be looking for red flags. Leah, that's been a big part of your sales process. Why don't you talk about that a little bit more?
0: So whenever you see issues with a client, not only should you just identify them, you should be specific about the identifying those red flags and then actually have a plan of action mm-hmm. to either address those so that things could be you know, moving forward in a more positive way, mm-hmm. Or it could be an indication that it's time to move on from this client. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, I just, something came to me. I want to interrupt you because I think this is a perfect example. So this client, they said to us, we wish you could get things done a little faster. And we said, oh, we can absolutely do that. We have a special retainer that guarantees two hour turnaround time because they were just on a, like a regular retainer, which is they go to the top of our queue, but it's not emergency two hour response time. We said, oh, well, we obviously can give this to you. Well, they didn't want to pay for that. So that's a red flag. Like they're telling us they're not happy with something and we're offering them a solution. And that for our business, for us, that is a red flag because they're wanting something, but they're saying no. But are we actually still like making them happy kind of thing? Like they're not saying they're unhappy, but we just didn't own that. That was more of a, oh, well, they said no. So, okay they must be fine with what things are. And I don't think they
0: were. Right. And I think it's just, again, like seeing what do they value? What can we bring to them? And we weren't thoughtful enough over Mm -hmm. like whether this was workable or not, Mm -hmm. because that's the other thing, too. Right. Like beyond just the red flags. I think a common complaint within agencies and uh, us included is like, uh, this sucks or this has happened or whatever. And then you move on or you just take it. Yep, (laughs) And that's not the way to move forward. You should be frank about any particular issues, because even the red flag discussion or like being frank over like, what are the issues of this project? It can be an intimidating Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. thing to ask. Because you're purposely like asking for some negative feedback. Mm-hmm. But also is an indicator when things are going well. Yeah. Even when they complain. Because I'm thinking of another client of ours who's still our client and was super, super happy. They were frank about like, well, we didn't like this or that or that whatever. But every time they said that, they're like, but we're just being Picky. Totally nitpicky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're just so picky. And then they followed that up with like an immense amount of compliments, mm-hmm. which, you know, was fantastic. But what that showed is, A, they gave us critical feedback in that we can shift mm-hmm. in the future. Right. And then also them giving that feedback and then following up with praise mm-hmm. or that kind of stuff is an indicator that the relationship is healthy, mm-hmm. that they feel That they can be honest with you about like critical feedback, but they want to continue working with you Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. they know that they trust that you can overcome those like little niggly things. If you ask this question, you get the negative feedback and it isn't followed by relationship building kind of compliments or Mm -hmm, anything, mm -hmm. then that's a big sign Mm -hmm. that something's wrong. Yep. It makes me feel like this is the kind of stuff
1: that Rachel Gertz was talking about in our show earlier this year about risk management. You know, when you're in this relationship with a client, the part of your job as a project manager is to help manage risk. And that means you need to know what are the signs of risk. Right. what you just described is a perfect sign of risk. The client gives a complaint or some negative feedback and you try and address it, but you're not able to. And then there's, that's it. that That's actually something of that's risk right there. That could be a problem. All right. So that's sales business. We also had challenges with the podcast. One, we were really struggled to fill sponsorship slots this year. And that's a problem because the podcast doesn't make a profit. (laughs) We've said it before, the show is a labor of love. We want to elevate our community. Business-wise, it's easier to align that investment as a marketing expense and really focus on the impact our show has on people's careers, But in a difficult year like this year, it is really challenging to bootstrap yourself, to spend all the time that we do and pay for professional services. It's a real hit to the bottom line when revenue drops. And so, you know, in terms of why it's happening, I think it comes back to one of the things Leia said with regard to sales in general. We have more competition out there. We are not the only podcast that people are listening to, not just about the web, but just podcasts in general. So getting sponsorships, it's it's just a little bit harder. And the truth of it is is like this isn't a new challenge. This has always been the case. It's just easier to weather when our client sales are good. And so We need to be more thoughtful about running the podcast. We're trying to find ways to streamline a little bit. If you've been listening to the show and listen to our podcasting one-on-one episode, you know that Leia and I did all the editing ourselves once upon a time. And we've since handed that over to a professional editor, which means we're spending less time We also get caught in the habit of this is the way we've always done it. So we keep doing it. So we're trying to see, well, what could we change that would shave 10 minutes here and 10 minutes there and just make it so we're putting a little less into the podcast without giving the podcast less, if that makes any sense.
0: Right. Because there's always a better way to do things just because, you know, like, again, the, the editing situation, like... Just because Emily and I know how to do it in GarageBand or Audacity doesn't mean we should be doing it. Exactly. Yeah. And and it's just like there's better uses of our time. And that's why we have an editor. And just being a lot more efficient in general, just reflecting again about like how we run the podcast and actually adjust, like trying out new recording software, Mm -hmm. seeing how we tell guests how to record because that takes a lot of time too. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of like even marketing of the podcast, here's how we always did it. But that doesn't necessarily mean it was effective. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to be a lot more ruthless over what's working, what's not working with promotions and, you know, scheduling a lot ahead of time. Those types of things. Yeah,
1: And we won't go into it too much, but you're also taking a different tact with sponsors being right. much more... I guess what we have always done in the past was once a year at the end of the year, we would just do a call for sponsors and we were fortunate and got a lot of sponsorship that way. That's not yeah. really the case this year. And there are a couple years where it hasn't been the case, but right. so this time we're taking a more frequent approach, asking for sponsors across social media in a different way, um,
0: doing more frequent emailing versus just that end of the year, once a year kind of hit. Right, just being a lot more like thoughtful and intentional about why we need sponsorship and even how we're communicating the value mm, mm-hmm. of the sponsorship as well. Cause I think it was just like sponsor our show. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and then now it's like, here's why you should sponsor the show. Mm-hmm. And then of course you've heard us
1: talking about it the past couple episodes. Or hopefully you have. If you hadn't, go tune in. You know, we're doing a Patreon. Our hope is that uh, more income means less bootstrapping ourselves. But our bottom line is we want to build a community that wants to listen to this show. We want to create content that you want to hear. We learn a lot from it. We hope you learn a lot from it. So we really, you know, we want money, but we really also want community. (laughs) Right. But there's a business reason for having community because it could show other sponsors that we have invested listeners that are worth advertising to. And it could increase in listenership. You know, what is that? You know, oh, everyone else is doing it. I should do it too. Yeah. Kind of like basically let's hop onto the control click bandwagon. Mm -hmm. Why not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, you know, we're really hoping it's going to be a way for us to offset the costs of operating the show to give us more breathing room so that the content we create is better and the community we create is more engaged. And we really hope we can bring in enough money to really let us experiment with content to do something other than we've done the past few years and see if there's a new way to connect and share information.
0: And at the end of the day, Business is all an experiment. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, so everything that we've talked about today, will it be successful? I have no idea. (laughs) It's still too soon to know. But like, I'm sure all the little agencies and business owners tuning in right now, you know, this is the reality Mm -hmm. of running a business. Mm -hmm. There is no guarantees when you run a business, even if you do everything, quote unquote, exactly right. That's not indicative of future success, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, we're hoping that at least we're being aware of our mistakes so that we can not do them again mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. also spot them sooner if it starts bubbling up. You know, and I think a
1: part of that, which we really didn't talk about that much, but putting metrics in place, which everyone's like, well, right. duh, but we weren't. Right, right. You know, we're like, oh, well, we hope we get more listeners. That's not a goal, that's just not right, specific right. enough. So, right. you know, we are from sales to operations to our partnership. Every time, going through a lot of changes, each time we identify a change, our task is to say, what do we hope to happen? When are we going to see if it's happening? When we look at it, if it's not happening, what are we going to do? If it is happening, what are we going to do? So essentially forcing ourselves to see problems sooner, see mistakes sooner by building that into every new decision we make.
0: Right. And I also want to point out, though, like, especially because I've had this similar chat with colleagues about measurement, like measuring anything, there could be a reluctance to that because it feels like you're tying someone into a box. Mm. But the reality is that how do you know things are going wrong without reflecting? Mm -hmm. And how do you know things are going right without even defining what success means? Right. And so that's what really measurement is at the end of the day. It doesn't necessarily mean let's put all the check boxes and then that's the correct way. That's not what we mean about measuring. It's just making sure that everyone's on the same page mm-hmm. and that we can correct the ship, mm-hmm. you know, if it's going off course or if we it's going completely right that we double down mm-hmm. on the completely right direction. So just have perspective when you are measuring. We're getting into
1: the over an hour mark. (laughs) Thank you for sticking (laughs) around, listeners. We do want to share a few resources that led us to some of these things that we're trying.
0: Leah, tackle the first one because this is what you've been doing a lot of. Right. Everything I'm going to say is really ask for advice. Mm -hmm. You need to ask for help. I know that's easier said than done. You know, I did a multi-tiered approach. First one is with asking for help, if you can get someone in person, take them out for lunch Mm -hmm, or coffee, mm -hmm. do so or go on video chat and ask and have a conversation. You'll be surprised at how helpful Mm -hmm. and heartening it is when people are candid about their perspective about business and running a digital agency and all that. That's a lot of investment of time, but I think it's a worthy, worthy investment for less investment of time, but still like really great with that asking for help. If you are part of the craft CMS community, really join the shop talk channel Mm -hmm. in Slack. Mm -hmm. It is just so, so great. It's like little bites of conversations. Sometimes it snowballs and a ton of people just put in their two cents. And sometimes it's just like, ask a question, get an answer kind of thing. And it's all specific to running a business. Mm-hmm. Um, and Emily, you'll agree with this. Go to a business specific conference like? Owner Summit. Owner Summit. And any of the Bureau of Digital Events, we highly recommend that. That's, again, having that chat in person. Mm-hmm. So if you can't think of a trusted colleague, there's a ton of new ones you can make at something like Owner Summit. Owner Summit. And finally, like one thing that a lot of people forget is that there are business resources in your city. That's
1: right. Ruben and Sherry talked about that themselves once on our episode. They were on our show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know Edmonton, back when I lived in Canada, had also small business resources Mm -hmm. here in Seattle. I took advantage of Business Impact Northwest free Business consultation. Um, their services are actually geared toward women in business as well as people of color and other marginalized communities like the LGBTQ community. Mm. So it was like a great fit and free. <laughs> and I sat with an advisor, a business advisor, someone trained in business, someone trained in sales. And he just listened and gave me critical feedback on questions I had about how I approach something what my sales materials were, what could be improved. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's important to get that type of advice from someone that isn't buried in the tech community mm-hmm. so that you get kind of like an outsider perspective. Yeah,
1: I agree with all of that. I want to just throw one more resource out there for anyone who wants help with management, whether it's people or operations, askamanager.org. It's a blog run by a woman named Allison Green. And... Sheffer's incredibly practical and timely relevant advice. It's helped me in how I never kind of thought about how I managed things. I just did it. But now that I'm helping Leia with that, I need something formal and I need something that doesn't just work the way I work. It needs to work how Leia works. And so right. that's been really useful for me to think about different ways of managing and It runs the gamut. I mean, I'm kind of addicted to advice columns anyways, Um, (laughs) but you just see every business has challenges, every worker, every employee, every owner, every manager. And so this is not like the end of the world. It's just, this is reality. And there's a a path forward in all of those problems. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely.
0: All of this is in service of professional development, which means spend some time mm-hmm. on professional development. Mm-hmm. Like, take courses and workshops. Like, I'm taking a business Udemy writing course right now. And um, we kind of mentioned it earlier in the show the red flags review that was uh, practically explained to us. Mm-hmm. The practicalities were explained to us when we attended a louder than 10's PM and sales alignment mm-hmm. workshop. Mm-hmm. So something like that. And of course, books, the one that really helped my sales process, or at least reviewing our business was Book Yourself Solid. Mm -hmm. And that was actually recommended to me by the chief customer officer at Pixel and Tonic, Leslie Camacho. He said, you know, if you are needing like more guidance over step one to step two Mm -hmm. about running a business, that's a good book to go through. Mm -hmm. And I've said this a million times, never split the difference for negotiation. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the show.
1: I know it was one of the books I recommended in our Owner Summit presentation, but Extreme Ownership. It's an extremely practical way to view ownership and what it really means to take a task from beginning to end and how to hold yourself accountable and hold others accountable or yourself accountable to others. So I think it's a great practical book. And Don't forget, you can listen to our podcast for advice. (laughs) So we've shared a bunch of stuff with you today, but we'll also link to a couple episodes that stand out that we think are kind of relevant for when things aren't going so great. Our episode with Chris Harrison called Embrace the Suck and our episode with Eric Regan, which is success
0: from failure. Yeah. And we'll link also to the article he wrote that is pretty much related to this as well. Mm -hmm you know, at the end of the day, you need to put this advice to work. Yeah. So don't just listen to this episode. This is something that I had to really work on too. Cause like sometimes it's kind of, it feels like you've done something after listening Mm -hmm. to somebody like listening to advice, chatting with people, but have you actually applied the information that you've gathered? So make sure that, you know, whatever you glean, put processes and tasks into place so that it gets done and define goals and success in regards to that. But uh, even with all that said, uh, take every piece of advice with a grain of salt, including this episode. Yes, totally. Because what makes someone successful doesn't necessarily translate one-to-one to your circumstance. And even in your own circumstance, Because like certain things that worked for us in the past doesn't necessarily mean we'll continue Mm -hmm, to work. mm -hmm. So just be thoughtful about what you incorporate for your specific needs. And
1: on that last point, make sure you're being honest with yourself about what those needs are, that you're looking at reality and not just going based on how you hope things are going to go, but what the reality is today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a good stopping point. (laughs) We've covered a lot. And we're excited to get our listener slots on this episode in our new hashtag control click fan Slack for our Patreon supporters. Super excited. And I think we'll probably
1: talk about some of this a little bit more in our year in review episode too, and maybe even a follow up later next year once we kind of know what's working and what isn't.
0: I'm looking forward to yeah, it. Totally. Control Click is produced by Bright Umbrella, a web services agency invested in education and social good. Today's podcast would not be possible without the support of this episode's sponsor. Many thanks to FosterMade. We'd also like to thank our hosting partner, Archistech, as well as our listeners. And a special shout out to longtime listener and our first View Network patron, Mike Rogers. woo (laughs) If you want to know more about Control Click, make
1: sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at ControlClickCast or visit our website, ControlClickCast.com. And speaking of our website, we really are finally <laughs> launching a mobile-friendly experience next month. So stay tuned to Twitter and Instagram for news about our Control Click Refresh.
0: And if you like this episode, become a patron so we can continue creating content you love. Visit patreon.com slash Control We can also use your reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts or both links are in our show notes and on our site. Don't forget to tune into our next episode, our annual year in review,
1: and our former intern Aaron will be joining us again. Woo-hoo. <laughs> be sure to check out controlclickcast.com/schedule for more upcoming topics.
0: This is Leia Alcantara and Emily Lewis signing off for Control Clickcast. See you next time. Cheers.